Just a little clarification. I told Jerome I had his permission. I was going to pick on him and say, you know, after two weeks of telling everybody how rotten you were as a husband and how you're a great sinner, I'll get up there and say, I'm a perfect husband. I'm a wonderful husband. And then I have to say, but that's not true. And if you want verification, you can talk to my precious wife, who's endured almost 40 years with me. And uh, it's an amazing journey. It's just really amazing. Uh, I'll share maybe a few things somewhere in the middle. But I had to tell that up front because now I have to say, my wife told me, uh, please don't tell any marriage jokes. She said the only moaning and groaning should come from the Holy Spirit, not from dad jokes. Okay. So welcome to all of you. I'm so glad that you're here. And I always feel it's a humbling honor to take God's time, spiritual time, on Sunday when we worship together, to take his time and speak on things that hopefully will resonate with you as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. But I want you to hear what God wants you to hear, not what John Nack says. And I'm going to use quite a few scriptures because I feel that's the the most wonderful place to begin. You know, I, I had the privilege of growing up and being around my grandparents for quite a while. They were very close to where we lived. I often spent nights with them. I watched them in their marriage. There were things I learned. I thought, boy, that's really neat. I like that. There are other things I thought, boy, I don't want that to happen in my marriage. I lived with my mom and dad until I was uh, in my middle 20s, and I watched my mom and dad who lived in matrimonial bliss for 54 or 55 years, and there are some wonderful things that they shared, other things I thought, oh, I don't want to be that way. And then I found out I repeated some of those same things. Why is that? Marriage is such a wonderful thing because it is a God-plane relationship. That's the way I've learned it many times. In other words, God invites us into the God realm as husband and wife. But this isn't just for married people because there are some scriptures I want to talk with all of us today about that discuss the fact that you and I, in our relationships with one another, actually are preparing to marry the bride. We're we're the bride, excuse me. We're going to marry Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us. That's an amazing concept. As a guy growing up, and I heard that in the church, I thought, I don't want to marry another guy. I don't understand that. Uh, I think it's much easier for the ladies to understand that but I've learned much about what that means. I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 5. These are verses that we don't normally use in a marriage ceremony. Most pastors don't start here. They start a little bit later. But many years ago, I heard as a pastor was giving a sermon, he said, you know, sometimes we forget what Paul was leading up with when he talks about husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands. This is what Paul began with in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. It says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. God gives us wisdom and insight. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And we live in a society that is very selfish and evil, and sadly, more and more is excluding God from their lives. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you and me and I to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And he's really leading up to talking about how we relate to each other and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where, when I would do a marriage ceremony, this is where we would often begin, verse 21 of Ephesians 5. And further, once you know all of that, that we're living our lives before God and in God's sight, and we want to love and respect one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes on to talk about individual responsibilities. But that term, that expression of submitting one to another is so much the key in any relationship that is based on a godly preposition. A marriage that, it, that you invite God into will take place when husbands love their wives and wives respect their husbands. And it's really submitting to one another because many times, many times in marriage, what your mate may want, you don't want. You don't want to do it right away. It's not easy, it's not convenient, but because you love your mate, you begin to think, how should I handle this? How should I do this? To me, it often goes back to that simple statement, submitting one to another. And I thought, wow, I can hardly wait when I was a a teenager and then early 20s, and I thought, when I get married, I'm going to be a perfect husband. And I got married, and within days, I thought, boy, I'm not very good at this. I'm awfully selfish. Wait a minute. I, I want to submit to my wife, but it's not easy. No, it's not easy when you have to give up yourself, when you have to submit when you take into account the needs, the concerns, the cares of the other. And I, I believe that this applies to all of us because Jesus is the one that modeled for us how we relate not only to each other, but how we humble ourselves before our Heavenly Father. Because remember all the things Jesus went through. It says, He humbled Himself and went to the cross on our behalf. And in Luke chapter 22 beginning in verse 39. Jesus said, I've not come to do my will, but the will of my Father. He accompanied the disciples, and Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. This is just before his final huge, amazing temptation. He said, pray that you will not give in to temptation. And he left them there, walked away about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing... Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Because he knew how difficult it would be. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Is that what happens in a godly marriage? That you're willing to give up your will for the other? Oh, that sounds so wonderful. Of course we all want to do that. But it's not easy. It's not a part of our nature I'm convinced it's not in us, but it is in us if we allow God to come and live in us because he will make us act that way, think that way, and begin to treat each other the way God would have us. Jerome touched on 
this uh, book, this concept he said he had come across a number of years ago. I also read the book. It's called Love and Respect. It's written by a husband and wife. They're both Christian counselors. Uh, it's an amazing book, and it talks about the relationship that a man struggles with. Simple thing, loving his wife. Oh, wait a minute. Most men love their wives, don't they? Well, yeah, they think they do. What about respect? The wife respect her husband. And he, he and his wife in this book unpack the fact that when we approach the disagreements or the struggles or the difficulties, we come at it from different perspectives. And a husband many times will think, oh, if my wife would only respect me more, I could love her more. And the wife is thinking, you know, if he only loved me, I would respect him. And so this couple said, basically what we do is we set up on our own mountain and we say, well, I'll begin to respect him when he shows me love. And he's thinking, how can I, how can I love her? She doesn't respect me. And he talks about climbing on this merry-go-round and going through it over and over and over again. And as I read that book, I thought there's a lot of helpful information in there. And it turns out, of course, they had been married over 25 years. And he said, even though we've been married that long, we still get into these traps. We fall into these ruts. We struggle with these encounters. And they said, in essence, it comes back to, this is the core. This is one of the statements I believe that Paul makes that applies to every one of us in whatever relationship that we treat e each other or treat one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Boy, just think about that statement that Paul made. And think about what a different world you and I would live in today if politicians treated their opponents that way. Well, you know what? I think they really care about. What about if we did this in our business dealings? What if we dealt this way with our neighbors? Because Jesus went to the cross, we didn't deserve that gift he gave to us, but because of God's love for us, he did it. He did it for us. He valued us more than we valued the gift, but he was more than willing to do that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Boy, that's a hard one. That's really tough. And in a marriage relationship, when you struggle with, well, why isn't my wife being more respectful? Or why isn't my husband being more loving? And then stop and back up and say, wait a minute, how am I dealing with this? How am I approaching this? And as I said, I often thought, as I heard sermons growing up in the church, I thought, you know, when I get married, I want to have a perfect marriage. I want to have a wonderful marriage. I've learned all these things to avoid, and then I did most of them anyway. And I thought, wait a minute. A, a sermon that really struck a chord with me was one I heard when I was still a young man, and he said, instead of trying to find the right person, and we all pursue love and romance differently, don't we? Try, try becoming the right person and that right person will come alongside of you because they'll see who you are, how you act, how you live your life 
and that will mean something very important to them. I look at the church and see that the church in the beginning, we, we have this kind of model, our picture, we read the book of Acts and we see that the church was dynamic. Uh, we also know it was under attack. But yet they stood together and amazing miracles were occurring because God was blessing the church and it was founded to grow and encompass the entire world, which I don't think they believed it was going to happen that way. They didn't understand it, I don't believe, but it happened. But here it says of the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I just want to read a couple of highlights. It says, they continued steadfastly, the church, the disciples, the one another's, in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. And they, skipping down to verse 46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And the reason I share this is because this is the spiritual plane that God wants all of us to live on. That if we treat each other with love and respect, the Bible is filled with uh, sermons, if you will, admonitions to all of us. It talks about being devoted to one another. It speaks of accepting one another. Men and women, brothers and sisters, church members, family members, husbands, wives, children to parents, parents to children. Be devoted to one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another, serve one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, teach and admonish one another, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and agree with one another. Those are all uh, relational directives, commands, if you will, from Scripture that tell us if we treat others this way, all it will do is redound back to you as a blessing. I love that word redound. It's not a word we use often in our language. It's an old King James word, I call it. Redound means it comes back to you. It's like a rebound. It comes back. It's an amazing thing. When you sow spiritual seeds like that, amazing things begin to happen. We are called, we are told to one day, Mary, Jesus Christ. We are called the bride of Christ. We are called the body of Christ. We belong to him. He loves us and sacrifices himself for us. In fact, when we read near the end of the sermon today, we'll read what Paul concludes with in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says a loving husband would love his wife so much that he would sacrifice and give himself up for her just as Christ has done for the church. But we're supposed to do that, in essence, as the body of Christ, to the world in which we live. But the world doesn't make it easy. We didn't make it easy for Jesus, did we? And yet he loved us. He extended himself for us that way. We are called, in essence, fellow citizens with God's people. We are called members of God's household. 
Paul tells us the, that we are a holy temple being built together. For what purpose? For Christ to dwell in us. So if Christ dwells in me, then the way I treat others demonstrates that I'm a different kind of person. Not because I'm some great guy or you're some great gal. It's because Jesus lives in you. And they will see that evidence because you're going to be different. And that's the key in marriage. That's the key in relationships. If you are acting like a godly husband or a godly wife, you've humbled yourself under God's mighty hand, and now you treat the other with love and respect, and you go out of your way to lift them up, and you're not nearly as concerned about your own needs because you want the needs of your mate to be taken care of. Please understand, when I say these things, I'm not perfect at it. I see it in Scripture. I love what God tells me how I need to be, and I strive to be that way, but I often fall short. But even in that, God says, He understands. He loves us. He will help us. We all know the command in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 that God said to Adam and Eve, he said to Adam that he was going to give, her, give him excuse me, a mate. He was going to bring someone and give a mate who would be a helper and comparable to him. There are all kinds of different ways to translate that. But it says in essence that he was going to give him a mate, someone to share life with, someone to share hopes and dreams. And ultimately he said, in Genesis 2, 24, that they would become one. And interestingly, in the Hebrew, it means more than just one in thinking. It actually means the way they cons consummate their relationship as husband and wife, that they literally, literally before God will become one. And God wants that to be a completeness. He wants it to be a shared relationship. In fact, he wants to invite us in to the God plane, I said, God level relationship. When we look at scripture, and communion is a wonderful reminder of this, Jesus said to the disciples, and it's often repeated when we share communion, that Jesus said that God will come and make his home with us. He will live in us. He will live in your marriage. He will live in your relationships. He will live in those opportunities where you can ex exhibit God's love and God's care for one another. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about the way we can live for others. The one another's we live not just for ourselves, but we live for one another. Philippians chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. And then verse 14, he says, Therefore, because you are recognizing God's hand in your life and you want God to live in you, he says, do all these things without complaining, without arguing, and rejoice with one another. I remember our children when they were little and we would have discussions, mom and dad would have discussions, and one of our children was very sensitive. They'd say, oh, mom and dad, stop arguing, stop fighting. 
What? We're not fighting. Well, yes, you are. You're raising your voice, Dad. Okay. Hmm, very interesting. That was a great concept to remind me that they were perceiving this was arguing, this was bickering. It was very unsettling. And it made me realize that I had to be careful about that because in their mind, they saw me as disrespecting their mother, whom they loved. And they didn't want Dad to do that. And it was a reminder to me of how I needed to act. God says he wants to come and live in us. He wants to live in our marriages. He wants to live in our life. He wants to live in all of our relationships. We say we invite him into our lives, but sometimes we exclude him from the very simple things that we can ask him into every single day. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. It says, For by his Spirit he joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We share in that glory. And because of that, we also shall share in his suffering. But God invites us into that God-plane relationship where we begin to look at others as not just equal, or as Erin said during her part of her devotional, she shared that we should love others the way God loves us. But sometimes when we don't feel loved, it's hard to extend that love to others. But that's the key, isn't it? God does love us. He loves us so much that he went to the cross for us. In a husband and wife relationship, I want to go back to what Paul was leading up to in Ephesians chapter 5. And we may not be able to put this up on the screen. I just want to read to you uh, the verses, Ephesians chapter 5. If you're taking notes, please write these down. Verses 22 through 33. After he says that as husbands and wives, you're submitting to one another, he says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Oh, that's easy. Sure, I'm going to submit to the Lord, and I'm going to submit to this fellow who doesn't deserve it, who doesn't always love me, who doesn't always respect me. But wait a minute. We're not supposed to look at them in their human realm. We look at them as we look at God. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let wives be to their husbands in everything. But notice the first admonition in that sentence is, just as the church submits, is subject to Christ. Oh, but wait a minute. I don't do that perfectly in everything, every day, in every situation. Because I'm carnal, because I'm selfish. Oh, I'm like Pastor Jerome. Yeah, I fall short. You fall short. Lovingly, God says we can come back to him and ask for forgiveness and ask for him to strengthen us. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There is a trans transition that takes place in a godly marriage when a husband begins to recognize that he needs to sacrifice for his wife as fully as Christ gave himself for the church. That's hard. It's very difficult to do. 
It only can be accomplished if Jesus Christ is living in you. And the reason he does that, he said, is that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Paul is talking again about this beautiful picture of how much God loves us because he wants to share eternity with us. And a loving husband will do whatever he can to build up his wife, to love her, to respect her, to honor her, because that's the gift that has been given to him by his Lord and Savior. We are all members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul understood that. He was conveying that to the church. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And that references all of us. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Two things, very simple. It's so simple to say it, yes. So difficult humanly to do it. That a husband, a loving husband would love his wife. And a wife would respect her husband. And oftentimes we set up in this, well, I will do that for them when they show they deserve it. No, that's not the way it works. God tells us that we should be willing to do that before that happens. A couple other verses that I would like to bring this to conclusion with is uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, the first uh, seven or eight verses talk about the loving relationship between a husband and wife. And even when one isn't living up to the standard that they ought to, if the other one begins to treat them with love and respect, if they submit one to another, things will begin to change. I want to get to the crux of verse 7, though, in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, as in the same way, First, he talks about a wife being supportive, respectful, submissive, if you will, of her husband. He says in the same way, verse 7, Husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will be not hindered. There's a beauty in that verse that talks about when you treat your mate, in this case it's speaking to husbands about your wives, if you treat them gently, lovingly, kindly, just the way Jesus treats the church, she will begin to blossom and change because of your love and care and nurturing. Instead of waiting for them to respond to you, you direct those things toward them. Back to the concept of love and respect that we love each other and we love not wanting, not demanding, not expecting something in return, but because we want to be like Christ to our mate. That's why God said to Adam that I'm going to give a mate to you to help complete you. God wants to bless us in that regard. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Dear brothers and sisters, Paul writes, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. 
Submission is a very difficult concept. In fact, in society today, you won't often hear it discussed outside of a church uh, setting because submission seems to have a very bad connotation. In essence, it means that we willingly uh, support someone else. We show respect. We show deference. We treat others better than ourselves. I remember a couple that I performed a wedding for, and they invited some of their uh, biker friends. And we got to the part of the ceremony where we read, uh, and wives, see that you submit to your husband. And this group of people started laughing, and they were throwing elbows at each other. And I was a little bit pausing in my uh, dissertation of the ceremony. I thought, oh, wait a minute. I guess they don't like that idea of submission. It means that you willingly place yourself below someone else. You hold them up. You serve them. You respect them. That's why the beautiful thing that Paul was conveying is that if we submit one to another, we're building each other up in God's eyes. We're fulfilling what God has asked us to do. We've now entered that God-plane relationship and we treat each other with love and respect because we want to be like Christ to the most precious gift we've been given in this life, our mate. What a wonderful, beautiful concept. And Jesus demonstrated that for us, how we can be that way. Three things to leave you with then today. Number one, it says we will all one day marry Christ. And Revelation talks about the bride being made ready. How, how is God making us ready? He's giving us these opportunities to live as Christ lived, to be sacrificial in our love and care and concern for others. It's being like Christ to other people. And it's not easy. And probably the most difficult place it's practiced is in marriage. Because you're so close to someone, you get to, you get to show them love and respect every single day. The second thing, and this applies not just within marriage, but as Christians in the society in which we live, treat others, consider others better than yourself. Boy, that's tough. When you're being yelled at by a customer, if you're in customer service, if your neighbor comes and yells at you because you, you uh, cut his grass, you went over two inches on the side of his road, if you've had things like that. Our neighbor came up one day and yelled at me because our dog went and dumped in his yard. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're trying to keep an eye on that. And he got in my face and I thought, you know what? Jesus said I'm supposed to love him. He didn't make it easy, but I wanted to. The last thing, and this applies certainly in our loving relationship of marriage, but in all things, submitting one to another. This humility that Jesus demonstrated is the humility he has called us to demonstrate. Because when we do, we demonstrate to others that we truly are the children of God. May your marriage, may your future marriage, in your relationships and in your family, may it be blessed as you love and respect one another. Please join me. Father in heaven, almighty God, what, a, what an awesome privilege to be called your sons and daughters. You've chosen us to be a part of your family for all eternity. You've blessed so many of us with marriages that you ask us to demonstrate your love to one another. For those of us that have wonderful, strong marriages, even those at times struggle with the humanity that's so much a part of each one of us, 
Give us the strength to humble ourselves, to hold each other up, to love and respect one another, just as Jesus did all of that for us. And you welcome us into your family for all eternity. We praise and thank you. And we ask that this gift would be given to each marriage, Father, dedicated and blessed by you. And we ask and pray it in Jesus' holy and righteous name. Amen.